All right, everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Today is episode number 92. We're closing in on 100. John, Logan, me, we're all here doing our podcast thing. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about dream woodworking tools, dream projects, and dream materials. It's the podcast of your dreams. I just want to mention that episode, today's episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with both speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. So what about like dream shop buddies? Can we do that one too? Mm. <laughs> or shop a buddy of your dreams? Shop buddy of your dreams. dreams. That yeah. starts to get a little weird. I feel mm-hmm. like like all the kids have to stop listening now. <laughs> yeah. I was about to break out into uh, singing Mr. Sandman. <laughs> <laughs> Bring me a dream. But I will. Yep. Speaking of Back to the Future. Yeah. Yep. So... You know what I wish they I I hate cutting out like plywood parts. I wish they had a machine that you could just like plug in like the size and shape of your parts and just like cuts them all out. Like a you know? like like a computer like a computer numerically controlled machine. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Something like that. Why why doesn't somebody invent that? You know, it's like maybe like a like CAC like parts. alphabetically controlled. Yeah. I mean, because we're using the X, Y, Z axis. Those yeah. are letters. They right. have nothing to do with numbers. Or joystick. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. free, freewheeling CNC. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or handheld yep. CNC. Ooh. Ooh. Shaper, you guys should get on that. Yeah. Yep. That'd be awesome. I want somebody to, yeah, somebody to hack the Woodsmith CNC plan so that you can use vintage Nintendo controllers on it. Atari controllers. <laughs> Mm-hmm. have like mm-hmm. two of them and you can compete <laughs> you know it would be like a like CNC races etch a sketch that's awesome yes. mm-hmm. yeah these are all good ideas there's really yeah, no bad they? ideas yep. it's a brainstorm here yeah there's no wrong answers oh man okay Logan you had suggested a tool or a topic for today on dream woodworking tools that don't exist and I have one in the sense that it sort of exists, but not really. Okay. And what it is, because I need time to consider one of my own. Right. Okay. So I'm going to stretch mine out here. So uh, about a year ago, maybe, Chris Fitch did a router mortising machine for Woodsmith. Super cool. Is a horizontal slot mortiser. Because we've done other, like, plunging type mortising machines using a router. This one was horizontal, which made it a lot easier to do end mortises, like for loose tenon joinery. Um, What I would like, and I've been, you guys know this because I have my prototype sitting in the, in the editor's area of the shop. So I've been working on a smaller scale version of that. And I, I I need to go to version 2.0. But I would like to see a simple, small slot mortiser that doesn't use a router. Mm. 
and here's and you're gonna say to yourself uh like the panto router or what's the other one multi-router yep see i get those but those are both multi-bajillion dollar tools Mm-hmm. And I feel like, to a certain extent, have uh, Swiss Army knifed themselves into confusion, to a certain extent. Yes. And that's just a personal opinion. These are not the official opinions expressed by Woodsmith Magazine or Popular Woodworking, blah, blah, blah. Or Active Interest Media. Or Active Interest Media. You know, because there are... I mean, there are standalone slot mortising machines or, you know, built into like a combination machine where uh, like one of our, our old creative director, Ted Krylicek had a, I think it was like a Robland. It was like mm-hmm. a jointer planer slot mortiser. Table saw. No, his was just a jointer oh, planer. Oh, his wasn't a table saw? Yeah. Oh, no. okay. But they used to, like old table saws had, you know, like the Inca Mm-hmm. Table saw had a slot mortiser built into the end of it. And, you know, if you just had a simple motor or spindle that wasn't a screaming router universal motor, that it was designed primarily for mortising work. Like just that. Okay. Like, unitasker tools can do their job. And I'm normally opposed to unitaskers. Yeah. I, you know my opinion on it. I, I like it to be multitask, multifunctional in my shop. Right, and I, I get that, but uh, that being said, yeah, if if I was doing a bunch of the same type of, like, if I was strictly doing like furniture and that's what I was doing all day, I, that makes sense. Yeah. So. And it wouldn't have hmm. to be for you know because like the big slot mortisers are set up so that they can easily do like entry doors and, you know, large scale framework things. Mm -hmm. And I need something that's like the unholy offspring of one of those mortisers and the Festool Domino, but in a, in a bench top unit. Okay. Cause I like, I mean, I, I have a biscuit joiner and I love using it. And there is something to be said for being able to bring the tool to the workpiece on some stuff. But on the other hand, there's an advantage to a, a fixed tool that, you know, everything is all set in terms of bit height, fence settings, whatever. You just put the piece in, clamp it down, route it. You know, that makes it a little bit easier than bringing the tool to the workpiece. Yeah. Kind of like ra- handheld router versus router table operations. There's a time and place for both. That was super rambly. That's right. So yeah, for everybody who stuck with that, say, strong work. Are you trying to topple me as the ramble right. king? <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a new personal record here. So mark the tape. What what I was thinking about i was watching i don't i was watching some stupid i don't know what i was watching last night but it was like they had a metal planer okay like i don't know if you've seen those where basically there's a table that slides and you put a part on it and there's a little carbide cutter 
and oh, every yeah, yeah. it indexes, you know, an eighth of an inch. And it's literally whacking off eighth yeah. inch shavings of metal. Like a surface grinder kind of. Kind of, yeah, a, both yeah. cutter instead. Yeah. And in my infinite ridiculousness, I'm like, how sweet would that be to have something like that? This is a complete unitasker to pare down miters to like a precise degree. Like okay. Put a, like a, like, put a part like in. Like a shooting board? Huh? Like a shooting board? Like an automatic shooting board. Oh, yeah. okay. And you like set it and it just shh, 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 until it is down to the right size. Now this is, hmm. this is coming from my impending uh, humidor build that started today. Um, but I just, I mean, we've, we've thought about it before. We hate miters. Miters are stupid, but that would make it easier. And you know what else I would like? I would like somebody to pick this up. Maybe rich at woodpeckers. If you guys are listening, uh, a, there's two things. First one is probably more practical. And that is. I would like somebody to pick up the design of the Bessie, or not Bessie, the Beesmeyer Miter Saw Fence. We have one oh, in our shop. Yeah. And I really like mm -hmm. it. I wish I could buy a new one of them, and you can't. Right. Um, so I would really like somebody to come up with it. Uh, and if anybody doesn't know, it's a steel framework that holds two laminate top, uh, basically extension wings for the Miter Saw that have um, clamp-on stops. Um, and the it, clamp on fence or stops are super cool. Oh, I, I love them. Yeah. They're, they're not like the flip type stops that you see a lot of people make. These are, yeah. they straddle the back edge of the fence and they hinge. So when you tighten them or when you tighten the knob on it, it actually is, it's like a hand screw kind of, it's pushing the, mm -hmm. the bottom side closer together, uh, which clamps the fence. I love them. Um, and I use that miter saw. I will. I say this without any shame. I use that miter saw to final trim parts to length all the freaking time. John's shaking his head. No shame. Yeah, it's fine. Shame on you. It's fine. <laughs> I do though, and it works. Or yeah, more than likely, I I trim them to final length and then I shooting board them down. Um, mm -hmm. But then the second one that I was like, ah, it would be really nice if they they've made them in the past. It'd be really nice if they made them new because the ones I've seen are old and you like, you can't buy parts for them is the power planers where you like, you shove a part through and there's a knife that is, that literally oh. takes like a wispy plane shaving off the surface. Yeah. Um, if anybody watches uh, Ishitani furniture on YouTube, he uses one all the freaking time. And it's just like, it takes, takes your, planed surface like your your planer power planer uh it takes your planed surface to like a 240 grit surface just by taking a shaving off the top so they're super cool i've never yeah. actually seen one in person used so i don't know how practical they are really to like set up and stuff right i would think and just the the you know brief snippets that ishitani shows and ishitani's from japan he doesn't I mean, his videos are like woodworking ASMR. Like there's no talking, <laughs> there's nothing. So he doesn't explain it at all. Um, but 
it never seems like he adjusts anything. So I don't know if there's like a spring-loaded knife head that that rests oh, that comes down in a yeah. zero position and it just adjusts to whatever material you put in. I don't know, uh, but it would be really cool to see somebody make a new one and right. see if there was actually a market for them. Uh, I would play with one, but yeah, I think Makita used to make them. Did they? Yeah, or maybe one of those things where only made them in Japan. Well, yeah, and that's what I was going to say. I'm, I'm, somebody might make them outside of the U.S. and yeah. not cater to the you know U.S. market, but, right. you know. Hmm. I think I remember um, he, he's an author, Matt Kenny. We've had him on the show before. He used to have one, I believe. I don't know if he still does. Gotcha. I think it's called like a super surfacer or something like that. I can see that. That is That's a cool. Marukana Super Surf, sir. The Super Mecha. Ooh, hey, I think they do. Which still sounds make them. like some kind of anime. Like it, it transforms <laughs> from an airplane into a robot that planes your wood. And then, like, the different planers combine into one super planer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, Voltron style. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah, so they, it looks like the cater uh, Marukana caters. It looks like the to the French and English markets. They're made in Japan, though. They are made in Japan. So, so it's not just a fever dream. It's real. It is. <laughs> it's all real. Oh, they look cool though. John, is there any tools you think that the world needs that have not been holding uh, yet? They need yeah, very, holding on to? Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Very simple, but why haven't they come up with square drill bits and router bits yet? I mean, so you can have square holes, mm -hmm. right? Yep. Uh, yeah. I'm going to write that one down. So, <laughs> okay. Have you? Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. John, on you Facebook or something? Yeah. Or, where have you seen that? Yeah. Where it's like a. <laughs> well, it's like a. It's some. I don't know. I want to say it's like some fake company selling. You yeah. know, look at this wonderful tool that makes square holes, and yes. they're showing like a mortising machine bit. Yeah. And there's like a thousand comments on it saying, "Oh my god, I need this for Christmas," or you know, "Hey, I just ordered one, can't wait to get it." I'm like, "Oh, you guys are going to be so disappointed." <laughs> but can you put a mortising bit in a hand drill? Have you ever tried that? I haven't. Sure. Cuz I bet you will now. Yeah. I bet you'll try it. Oh. <laughs> uh, Make all kinds of square holes. Yep. So is that why all of our morosing bits are dull in the shop? Yeah, because yeah. I've been using them in the hand drill. Just kind of <laughs> like, oh, I just need to like put a mallet on the back of the drill. And just, See, it's like you know, a, a little extra force. Yeah, yeah, it's a tip because then you could just make like a little wooden handle to like an auxiliary T handle for the square part. Mm -hmm. And then you just drill and <laughs> yeah. lean into it. And then. Yep. See? Mm -hmm. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. Things are happening here. All right, oh, so my, that takes care of my slot plan, mortising man. idea. I'm just going to cross that off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I feel like the AIM legal department needs to be involved in this. <laughs> or HR, at least. Yeah. Yeah, at least have a disclaimer. Yeah. I will say I will agree with you on the Beastmeyer miter saw fence system. I do love that thing. 
Yeah, I mean, and, I, I get it because it does require a lot of space. I mean, you could probably put it on like fold up wings, like the recent yeah. Woodsmith one, right? But yeah, it's that seems right up Woodpecker's alley. Seems like Rich, it. Uh, tell him, hey, I'm begging you to make this, please. Yeah, I feel like we could even design it for him. Yeah, there we go. Co-branded. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just love the stops on there because they have one that has, it's basically just for 90 degree work. Yep. And it has an adjustable, you know, because you could basically lock the stop in place, but then have an adjustable section that you could loosen up and then yeah. fine tune it. And then they also have one that has a, like an angled head on it for miter work. Yeah. And they're yeah, threaded, they, so you could fine tune it too. Yeah. I mean, they, they are pretty coarse threads, but yeah. Yeah, know. but still, it's yeah. definitely possible. There's there's some room for improvement on there. Yeah. So with, when did Beesmeyer stop manufacturing stuff? Do you remember? Uh, they got bought up by Delta yeah. X odd years ago. Yep. And then Delta swallowed their T-square table saw fence. Mm-hmm. Um, and cause I think for a while they, you know, it was like Delta Beesmeyer yep. was kind of co-branded in there, but then I don't know what happened with that, with some of their other accessories that they had. I mean, it feels like right. it just kind of devolved into the, the T-square fence and then that was kind of the yeah. end of it. But yeah, it looks like mid, like 95 Delta bought them out. Okay. And then I think, uh, in the mid to early 2000s uh disney bought them out yeah that seems right yeah so john is currently editing the wikipedia page mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and then i think it was like aol time warner beesmeyer yeah i think yeah. was in there it had the dial up yeah fence right yeah, yeah. so so in light of me like killing myself yesterday trying to split that log in half phil yeah is that where your material of your dreams came from? Uh, well, it kind of here's where that comes from is okay. that, you know, I built that the workbench that I've been talking about since the beginning of this year mm -hmm. using that white fur, yep. which is pretty, it's magical stuff. Let's, let's okay. not kid ourselves. However, it is soft. I will totally grant all the people who think that it's like having styrofoam for a workbench, but I disagree with you on that because so far it's been working fantastic for me as a workbench material. And then, so to go from that end of the spectrum to doing um, those two sleds mm -hmm. that I did for Video Edition and YouTube, where I used some hickory that you had sawn. Yep. Like the hickory was kind of fun stuff to work with, but it is definitely, it's like, it's not even the same material, you know, like technically white fur and hickory are both wood. Yes. But that's, it's like saying, it's like saying sandstone and granite are the same thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So. So it was fun to work with. It wasn't real fun to plane, which I guess just shows how terrible my sharpening skills are. And then uh, the the 
current issue of Fine Woodworking has an article by a Japanese craftsperson who designs and builds kind of in the Japanese carpentry, fun, Mm -hmm. ridiculous joinery style, mostly outdoor work. But, you know, a lot of their, a lot of the materials that they're using for that are these kind of cedar, cypressy kind of materials. And there's a, a strong delight in that because I want something that works easily like that, but has a little bit more ruggedness to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. So that would be, that would be my dream material. So, so you're, and maybe my dream material is just, I need a constant supply of high quality softwoods. Okay. I got a bunch of scotch pine to mill. Okay. We'll get mm. you some scotch pine, so you think. Sounds sappy. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta get the kilts off of it first, though. Right. <laughs> um, and you only get it in, like, this length, because exactly. that's in between each whorl section of branches. That... Which is, <laughs> it's, you're not far off on yeah. that. Um <laughs> Yeah, interesting. I, you know, so obviously I love to use walnut. That's one of my favorites. Right. I I find an immense joy in like finding a. I'm gonna call them like local exotics. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I find immense joy in like finding. Oh, hey, this is pear. Like, an, it's pear tree. Like, they don't grow that big and then there's you know nowhere for the partridges to sit when you cut yeah. it down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like whatever this log i had yesterday i was told it's hawthorn now i don't know that for a fact i can't find anything on hawthorn but <laughs> phil watched me sweat my butt off for about 20 minutes trying to drive wedges into this log to split it so i could cut it on the bandsaw in the shop yeah like i find like immense joy in that type of material right um regardless of how it works um, I will say, and I, that's I, true. I, that's kind of fun. Like yeah. having that white fur, it was fun to use partially how it worked, but also knowing that you are hardly ever going to find it again. Exactly. Well, exactly. And uh, I think I said a couple of podcasts ago, like I've been really liking cutting oaks on the sawmill. Like there's something about quarter sawing oak on a sawmill that I love. Yeah. Um, but the last couple of days I have been working with some Spanish cedar. Okay. Okay. For this humidor and mainly just kind of uh, gluing it together, resawing it, planing it down for the liners on this humidor and stuff. And uh, this morning when I was doing photos, we were taking some photos of planing it, uh, of jointing two edges so you could glue it together and make wire pieces. God, it just planes freaking beautifully. And it smells so good. Like, it doesn't smell like a traditional cedar, because technically, I don't think it's a cedar. It's not from Spain, and it's not a cedar. It's actually a mahogany, if I remember right. It looks like, I mean, it looks like mahogany. It weighs absolutely nothing, but gosh, it planes like a freaking dream. Um, And it smells like you're walking into, like, a high-end cigar shop, which is really, really nice. So... I really like that. It's kind of buttery. It's kind of fun to work with. It doesn't move hardly at all. And that's why that's one of the reasons why it is prized for humidors is it can 
deal with the moisture of a humidor without, right. you know, going all crazy and cupping and bowing and expanding and contracting a ton. Um, so it just is a sure joy. So I, you know, I don't know. It's the flavor of the month with me. <laughs> cool. So speaking of local exotics, are there like any weird trees that you've milled that just aren't sold for lumber or used for lumber typically? Um, yes. So this weekend I cut a mulberry. I've turned mulberry. Mulberries grow all mm -hmm. over. It's just, right. it's a very, God, it's such a weird color. It's like golden yellow, like almost neon. Yeah. Um, and when I first started cutting it, the guy told me it was walnut. And the bark is very similar to, to walnut bark. Um, and the ends are brown, like walnut. Um, and I started cutting it. I'm like, damn, this is not walnut. This is like flora. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like school bus yellow. Um, hmm. So I've cut but it's that. got a real I've pronounced cut. grain patterns to it too, right? It does, yeah. And it's very, um, like I said, it's very gold. It's just a, it's a weird mm. wood. Um, cut a lot of elm. Elm's just not very common anymore. Yeah. Um, the eastern red cedar, I cut that quite a bit. Um, and you can buy it like for paneling and stuff. A lot of aromatic cedar, same thing. Right. Um, you know, uh, I have not cut any hedge apple, which I would like to, Osage orange. I'd like to cut some hedge yeah. apple. Um, I have not found any, uh, apple that's been big enough to mill that. I mean, that's the, I guess that's the problem yeah. that I have is mm -hmm. we don't get many big, you know, exotics around. Here. Right. Yeah. So what about, what's the tree that has the big, like green bean things on it? Like Catalpa or something? Yeah. Oh. Catalpa, no, yeah. I've, I, is that I've asked my I've asked my arborist buddies to tell me if they get a catalpa. Um, it's it's supposed to be a very nice wood. It's very lightweight though. They use it for framing mm. a lot. Hmm. Um, so I guess I would say I've heard that about wind. cottonwood too. Yeah, yeah, cottonwood is same thing. Um, and I've cut cottonwood. God, cottonwood stinks. It smells so bad when you cut it. <laughs> I mean, it smells like seriously. It smells like a it smells like urine almost. No, like I don't know what it is, um, and that's one thing I was <laughs> I was researching this hawthorn a little bit more, and I've heard a lot of people say that hawthorn smells like a decaying body because okay. there's some chemical in it that when it's exposed to oxygen and it's in the fruit and flowers as well of hawthorn, it uh they they call it the plague tree because it smells like black plague. Um, it, it releases ammonia, I guess. So, okay. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I haven't cut anything super crazy around here. I would love to like buy a log of like ebony and just cut it just to cut it, just to do it. Um, hmm. you know, I always see these guys from South America and Africa that are exporters of hardwood logs and they send them to like veneer factories and stuff. And I always was like, Oh, that'd be cool. But nah. I don't have big enough pockets for that. Yeah. Do we get yeah. Speaking persimmon of, around uh, here? Oh. I don't or know if we, we do. On they, the edge. I think we're I think we're too far north. Okay. Yep. And because technically persimmon is in the same genus as, as ebony. ebony. It's in the yeah. it's in the ebony genus. So it's very hard too. I've turned to some of it. It's very hard, but yeah, yeah we don't get any. Yeah. 
Because I know that I have relatives in southern Missouri, which isn't too far away from here. And they yep. had was at their cabin this summer, and there were several persimmon trees. Yeah. So I, have you ever had the fruit? I suppose the fruit's really good. Yeah. I, she had My sister-in-law had harvested some from the previous year, but didn't have any left. And when I was down there, it was out of season. So. Sure. Do you guys have cottonwood trees near your house? Yes. Yeah. We have a lot in Ankeny, so I find myself cleaning out the air conditioner yep. or the compressor a lot. Mm-hmm. So here, if, you, if you're listening and you're in the HVAC business, I have a business idea for you. For every air conditioner you sell, you, give, you plant a free cottonwood tree. <laughs> Boom. Work smarter, not maintenance harder. Maintenance every year. Yeah. Yep. Maintenance every year. Yep. So you're making money. It's funny because there are like... Tr- the and carbon think, offsets. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the one thing that I think I will cut fairly soon um, is uh, olive. Um, there's... In Las mm-hmm. Vegas, there is a very big... Not a problem. Las Vegas olive grow, olive trees grow really well in Las Vegas. So they were planted for a long time as a decorative tree uh, because that's about well that mulberry and elm are about the only things that will grow in Las Vegas and some pines. But they planted so many olive trees that they didn't realize that the pollen was going to become a huge problem. Hmm. So uh, Cook County, where Las Vegas is, actually banned any planting of olive trees after like 1998 or something like that. Really? Yeah. So you cannot legally plant an olive tree in Cook County, uh, in the city of Las Vegas, because it was causing so many issues. Um, and Just a lot like of with like, allergic know, reactions with people or. Yeah. It was like causing like severe air quality issues hmm. Um, hmm. because of the amount of pollen they output. Uh, so the next time I'm down there, I'm going to, I think I'll be driving down probably early, early spring, late winter. And I'm going to put a Facebook post up and see if anybody has an olive tree they want taken down for free and load it up in my truck and bring it back up here. Because I've turned some of it and it's beautiful to turn it. Yeah, it's, it finishes really nicely. Oh, God, yeah. So, yep. I'm trying to think of other exotics that would be kind of not really exotics, but. I. I recently asked, so I, I asked my arborist friends all the time, tell me when they get fruit trees, apple, cherry, I mean, obviously apple and cherry. Uh, Weren't you looking for pear. a ginkgo too? I, I just told one last week, like, hey, if you guys get a ginkgo tree, let me know. No reason other than I just want to cut it. You know, all these, right. all these kids and their Pokemon want to catch them all. I want to cut them all. <laughs> so... The kids or the trees? <laughs> yes, all, yes. all, <laughs> all. Um, but no, supposedly huh. ginkgo is like very, very similar to basswood. Carves very well. It's oh, soft. Okay. It's very light colored. Um, I would like some butternut. Yeah, have, those have butternut, butternut would be kind of fun. Yeah. Or uh, I know we're a little outside the range of it here, but some of the other. Uh, like hemlock, I think would be cool. Yeah. Some of the other softwoods. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It, cutting some hemlock would be cool. Uh, you get down a little further south, like black gum, you get a lot sure. of like black gum trees and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I would, I, I have kind of researched it a little bit on getting some logs from the East or West coast, like some actual uh, Western red cedars or, hmm. 
um, you can get uh, Alaskan yellow cedar from right. Oregon. So I've kind of researched a little bit on what it would take to, to buy, you know, maybe 10,000 board feet of logs and probably not ship them here, but maybe put them on a train car or haul them back on a trailer. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of sawmill owners that have done that um, just to kind of bring different species to the local markets. Okay. That'd be cool. Yeah. I do have a guy that I have a lead on some old, they were, what did Bob tell me they were like railroad, they were uh, like railroad bridge ties, not ties, but like supports and stuff Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. that were big, like 14 by 14, but they were redwood. Oh, wow. And somebody salvaged them. Uh, and yeah, Bob has a sawmill and he cut a couple for them. And so I've, I've, supposedly there's a handful of them still laying on this guy's property. So I've made inquiries to buy them. So we'll see. That would be kind of cool to saw some redwood beams on the sawmill. Yeah. But. All right. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. John, what's your dream material of choice? <laughs> MDF. <laughs> <laughs> he wants dust free uh, yeah. MDF. Yeah. Yeah, that, there you go. Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of times where it's just like you use a material they haven't used in a while, or it's like, oh, I remember why this is a nice material, and you know. Mm. And even though I do say that I hate walnut because it tastes bad, it is you know a nice wood to work with. Yeah. So I'll give it that. Okay. That's all. Okay. That's all I'm conceding. But yeah, I don't know if there's any specific material. That's my dream material. So I will say after having worked here in our shop and always having a steady supply of Baltic birch plywood, I hate any plywood that is not Baltic birch now. Mm -hmm. I mean, in general, I don't necessarily like to wrestle with big sheets of plywood anyways, but working with Baltic birches, if they could make like, you know, red oak veneered Baltic birch, that'd be great. <laughs> you know, Baltic red oak plywood, yep. right? Yep. Baltic walnut plywood. Sure. Awesome. Mm -hmm. No, I will agree with you on that. Cause we had done a project here and we got some just big box, three quarter inch plywood. That was, I think, all the plies were glued together with poison and cancer. Yep. Cause every no, time, I... you, every time you cut into it, it just made everybody cough and yeah. Like that one, you had that one that was in your mouth all the time. It was just, ugh. yeah. Well, you were, you did that. You did that, uh, Moncala board out of Liptis, right? Oh yeah. And was that more of, that was your sinuses, I guess. That yeah. Deck. Yep. Cause I routed out those pockets in there and yeah. I mean, normally when you're routing hardwoods like that, you don't really get a ton of dust mm -hmm. and it's more like shavings kind of or chips. And this one wasn't, it was dust and it was just fire in my brain. Yeah. See, Cedar does that to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I used, I used Chris's slot more to sort of do these planners beginning of summer oh yeah and 
both my boys and I were outside. I was doing it on the tailgate of my truck um, just to keep the dust out of my shop because there was there was a lot. There was like 96 mortises. Uh, and I got inside and just everything was like I was hacking. I was coughing. I was, you know, snot was coming out of every hole on my face, you know, just like, well, it was gross. Was that store-bought cedar or stuff that you'd milled? That's stuff I milled. Actually, that would probably be one of the most unique trees I milled was that. That was a, a northern white cedar. Oh. Yeah. That came from Mitchellville Cemetery. All right. So. Interesting. Yeah. It was a cool It was a cool tree. I like that. I'm using the off. Those are the only offcuts that I'm actually storing because I can take that two-inch thick, six-inch wide plank and resaw it into three-eighths inch grilling planks for salmon. All right. I think that's an acceptable use of off guts. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. I'll allow it. Yeah. But it's so like, seriously though, you guys have any shop buddies of your dreams as far as I'm saying, don't be <laughs> weird about this, John. <laughs> if, that's kind of my thing. I, I know it is. Like, if there was, like, is there one person that you would like to, like, uh, do a collaboration project with, or just one person you'd like to hang out in the shop with for a day and build something, or just you guys? I mean, I knew just like hanging out with you guys. <laughs> he would like to see us do the work instead of him. Yeah, right. just yeah. hang out with you guys and watch, watch you work, yeah. basically. So basically any video days, John, like where John is on camera and then we just run around like a crazy person making, <laughs> making all the parts, making parts yeah, yeah, in record time. I, uh, yep. I can stand that. That'd be nice. All right. Hmm. So. Who would I, I mean, Phil, I have to think Dave Fisher would be up on oh, top yeah. of the list. Some, yeah, I mean, that just, would be super high up on the list. Yeah, just to do a, you know, just spend a day in the shop carving with him. Like, that'd be cool. Yeah. I think it would be fun because I, I've done Dave Fisher-inspired pieces. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like I kind of have the concept down, but I feel like there's just something in there that he would know secondhand that just would make – would turn the light on for me on something. Yep. Yep. See, I'm kind of that way with David Marks. Okay. Like, and, and more, maybe more of a, from a fanboy type standpoint, because when I was growing up is when David Marks was on TV with Woodworks. Oh, okay. So like I used to watch it, you know, it was, I don't remember, it was on Thursday nights, whenever it was on ever. I never missed the episode. For however many seasons he did it. Yeah. So that'd be cool. Like, I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. But. That would be fun. I think, uh, I don't know. There's some people that I, their style of woodwork just isn't mine, but it would be just fun to pick their brain on some things, Mm -hmm. you know, like Michael fortune. Oh yeah. He works in a real contemporary vein, but it seems like a day in his shop would be, would be well worth, well worth the time. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Nick Offerman seems like he'd be a fun woodworker to hang out with. (laughs) 
Yeah. It'd be interesting to see like what his just like, what his shop demeanor is like when he's yeah. when he's building. You know, is he the kind of person like that he's on all, like he's Nick Offerman all the time? Or is there public Nick Offerman and shop Nick Offerman? And I don't think right. there's anything wrong with either of those. No. But no. Hmm. Interesting. Right. Yeah, because you, when you see him, Nick Offerman, with the switch on, it's like, is he on all the time? Yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that you know, or is it? Because that feels yeah. like that could be much. But. Yep. Right. Or is it like quiet Nick Offerman? Yeah. Like how I get quiet and just. Is John mad at me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's the vibe I'm putting out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I kind of want to see Chris Fitch's home shop. Yeah. There you go. Although I think you just have to s sit in there quietly and listen to him mutter to himself. Right. Yeah. But. Yeah. Speaking of people like that, you get the vibe is like, he mad at me. <laughs> that's, that's Chris vibe. That's Chris. Oh, you vibe. should have seen it when I broke the bandsaw yesterday. Ooh. Oh no. Yeah. I got threatened with, though, yeah, we're going to code that repair to pop wood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which bandsaw was it? It was the, the big Powermatic. One. The big Powermatic. There was an yeah. issue yeah. with the switch on it. Yeah, there's a switch. Powermatics in our shop seem to lose their switches a lot, but we also use them a lot. So mm -hmm. just leave them running all the time. Yeah. Well, it got to a point where it started shutting itself off on me, which was really weird. Like, I'd cut something, turn around, say something to Phil, and the saw would just shut off. Yep. Just close to a halt. Like, hey. Was it power saver mode or something? It might be. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was the, the screensaver mode. Yeah, it was the flying yeah. toasters of, yeah. Uh, you just got to shake the mouse a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> come back on. <laughs> All right. So if you would like to share your dream tool, or dream materials, we'd love to hear about it. You can send us an email, woodsmith at woodsmith.com, or leave a comment on our YouTube channel where you can watch the three of us talking to each other, even though we're within 25 feet of each other here in the office. It's meta. Otherwise, thanks for listening. Uh, this episode's brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin. That's that handheld CNC router that adds digital precision to your woodworking. You can do joinery, hardware installation, cabinetry, all that kind of stuff with speed and precision. They have a risk-free offer to have it in your shop for 30 days. Go to shapertools.com to learn more. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week for another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast. Bye, everybody. <laughs>